All right, Ephesians chapter 4, Lord willing, I'm going to try to be brief tonight, uh, just, uh, you know, trying to be mindful of everyone and uh, what you have going on with family and friends. I would encourage you to uh, take care of your body and uh, take some vitamin C. When I get home, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C, (laughs) and I'm going to do it again tomorrow morning. And hopefully I'll wake up well, but... um, uh, it's good to have our daughter Anna back as well. She drove all the way from Knoxville by herself, by herself yesterday. No, today, today. So it's good to have her back for a few days. All right, Ephesians 4. Uh, let's pray together first, and then we're going to look uh, at several of the, these verses. Our Father, thank you again for the opportunity to look in your word. Thank you for those that are here and those that are tuning in and Lord, we just pray that you would give healing and you would uh, allow, uh, allow the people in our church that are wanting to celebrate Thanksgiving with their families to do that. Lord, if you would be pleased, you would give healing quickly from these, uh, these sore throats and these fevers. And Lord, those that are here that, are, <clears throat> that aren't, aren't sick, I pray that you would protect uh, them as well and uh, protect their health and, uh, and just bless our time with our, our families uh, tomorrow and as we are with our families, and we are uh, being a testimony, representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to do it well and have the right attitude, the right words. I just pray you'd help us to honor you in all things. And Lord, we would be who we are wherever we are. Lord, we would desire to please you at all times. And so, Lord, bless our time as we study your word here tonight. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, verse. The first thing I want to look at is starting in verse number twenty-two. The Bible says, "I'm gonna just. We're gonna just jump into this entire uh, kind of uh, this lesson that Paul's giving in Ephesians four. He says that you put off the uh, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you see." This is an example of this, you'll see this formula where the Lord says, don't do this, rather do that. And this occurs a number of times in in the Pauline epistles, that is the epistles written by Paul. And in verse 22, he says, put off the former conversation, the old man. And then in verse 24, he says, but put on the new man. All right, so you see this formula, verse 20, look at verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. See that? Stop doing that. Start doing this. All right, verse number 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Look at verse number 28. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. See that? Stop stealing, rather labor, work. Replace the, the wickedness you've been doing with, what, with, good things that, with good things, right things, positive, affirmative things that God wants us to do. So the principle here is this. The Lord doesn't want us to just stop sinning. He obviously wants us to stop sinning. He wants the sin to be less and less and less and less. But He wants us to replace the sins that we've, because remember, all the sin that we commit, or not all, but a lot of the sin that we commit, we're using our body to do it. We're using our faculties to do it. We're, in other words, we're utilizing our faculties to commit sin. The Lord says, stop doing that, but don't just stop. 
take those same faculties that have been used for evil and employ them in something good. So you're not idle. The Lord doesn't want us to just stop sinning and then just be idle. He wants us to stop sinning and then employ those things in good, in the good. That's what we see here. So he says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to, him, to give to him that needeth. Verse 29 is where I want to look. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. All right, that's good. That's a good exhortation, command. And that covers a great deal. It covers corrupt communication. It doesn't, it doesn't just say, don't say curse words. It's broad. It's, 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 it's kind of vague. It includes curse words. It includes probably taking using God's name as, uh, as something lightly. It includes using foul language. But it also includes the subject matter that we talk about. It includes all of these things. So the Lord says, look, you, you have a mouth, you have lips. Stop using your lips for that and look at, look at the other. Look at the other part I want you to see in this verse. But, talking about the communication, what kind of communication should come out of our mouth? But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So we see the formula. Now, I know, I, I know that growing up, you probably heard somebody say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Right? That's actually not biblical. The Lord doesn't say, look at verse 29. The Lord doesn't say, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth full stop. He says, you, you not only don't need to say things that are wicked and evil, but you need to rather fill your mouth with things that edify to give grace to those that hear your words. So it's not, if I can't say something nice, I'm not going to say anything. That's off the mark. The Lord says, don't be silent. The Lord says, don't just not speak evil. He says, affirmatively, actively speak good. You see that? He's not just saying don't speak evil, but speak good. So the Lord's giving an active command for us to follow using our mouth. He says not to be silent, but to speak. To speak. To speak with words, to replace corrupt words, not with silence, but with good, good words. Now it says in verse number 29, which is good, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, what does it mean to, we all know what edify means, it's to build, some, build someone up, right? To build up. The Lord wants us to use our mouths to build other people up. Especially in this context, talking about the people of God in the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Build them up. All right, but notice what it says, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Think about this. To minister grace. Minister just means to, it, it gives or provides grace. So the grace of God, which remember, remember we looked at the definition not too long ago. The grace of God is, is, can be defined as this divine influence that God gives to us that strengthens us, that enables us to be strong, enables us to obey, enables us to have you know, if I could say spiritual energy and vigor to obey the Lord, to, to facilitate and to uh, energize us and help us to continue to follow the Lord. That's the grace of God God gives to us. He supplies it, holds us up. But you know what? He uses means 
And in this case, what is the means by which God strengthens us to follow Him and obey Him? You know what the means is? Your words. That's what verse 29 says. Your words are the means, one of the means, by which the grace of God gets to someone else by what you say. That's what he's saying here. You minister the grace of God by using words instead of words of of corrupt communication, rather words of edification. And by doing that, that person, you can... You can be a a, a tool, a channel by which God's influence comes upon them and enables them to be strengthened, to be encouraged in his or her walk with God, and to enable them to to continue to to further walk with God. And that comes all from your words. God has designed it that way. He has chosen to use the words of his people to encourage and edify others of his people. That's what this verse is saying. Now think about, especially when we think about this holiday tomorrow, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. My favorite holiday. Not just because of the food, although that's a a great benefit. It's because thankfulness is something, thankfulness is something that is a grace that we all need. What better way to to edify someone and to minister the grace of God to them but by expressing gratitude to them? So when the Bible says in verse number uh, 29, but that which is good to the use of edifying, you can fill in a lot of things. Expressing love to someone is an example of that. Encouraging someone is an example of that. But one of the things that, like we see here, One of the things that is good to the use of edifying is expressing gratitude to another person. Now, that's the context of this. This is not so much talking about gratitude toward God, although we know that's that we should definitely have that. This is talking about gratitude, thankfulness, or, or something good we would say to another. One of the best ways that we can minister the grace of God to another is by using words, right words, such as gratitude. You know, sometimes we just, need to, we just need to get over our timidity and our awkwardness and open our mouth to express gratitude to an, a brother or sister in Christ. Get over it. Well, that feels funny. Get over it. We have to actively use our voice and our lips and our mouth for God's glory. That's what witnessing is all about. That's what praise is all about. we got to get over ourselves. Get over the backwardness and the shyness and the bashfulness and look at, look at a brother and say, Raul, I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for encouraging me. Like that. Opening our mouth and expressing gratitude. Now, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. I told you we'd go fast. You say, wow, this is fast. Colossians 3, verse number 15. Colossians 3, verse 15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, what does it mean to be thankful? 
I'll be honest with you. This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm sure it's a pet peeve of Brother Stewart as well, if I know him. I get so sick and tired of people at Thanksgiving talk about, talking about how thankful they are without, without expressing to whom they are thankful. I'm just so thankful. What's that? It is? See, I knew it. We walk in the same spirit. Here's the thing. But this verse, I have to say, this verse does say, be ye thankful. Just be ye thankful. It doesn't express an object. But look what it says. What does it mean to be thankful? There's, there, it is two things. Number one, having a heart that is grateful. And number two, expressing that gratefulness with words. Okay, let's look at number one. Having a heart that is thankful. Here's what that means. When in your heart, when the Bible says, be ye thankful, first and foremost is talking about what is inside of us. We have a heart that is full of gratitude. And to do that, in order to have a heart that is full of gratitude, we have to recognize, here's what that means. We recognize that some kindness, some benefit, some goodness has been given to us by someone. And that goodness is not something that is owed to us. That's the basis of what it means to be thankful. We recognize in our heart with genuineness, with sincerity, that some goodness has been given to us and we know that it is not owed to us. When our boss pays us, when, when we, you, you have a job and they cut you a check, you're, you're, you're the payroll check, you might be thankful to God that you have additional supply, but really thanking them for the work that you did is not really exactly what it means to be thankful. Maybe thanking them that they selected you to, be, to have that job, perhaps, but you work for that. You work for that. Here's the problem. As long as we have a heart of entitlement, in other words, we think we have a claim upon something, we deserve it, we'll find it difficult to be thankful. And that's why we read in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because that when they knew, knew, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Right? A mark of a depraved heart. Everything they believe, everything is entitled to them and they didn't get anything by, by God's goodness or grace. So they're not thankful. See, that's the basis. What about this one? 2 Timothy 3, 2, speaking of the last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. See that? How, I mean, we can read that and we're like, this is our world. And it, it's growing. It's growing. Everyone is entitled to everything. Everyone is entitled to everything. They think they're entitled to everything. And so when they get that thing, they don't know how to say thank you because they, don't, they believe it was, it was coming to them. You know what? That's wicked. Not only is it a lack of acknowledgement of God, but it's an entitlement mentality. But to have a thankful heart, and only, you and, only between you and God, only God knows and only you know if your heart is truly grateful to God or to another. That's, that's a heart matter. But if you find that your heart is not thankful, you're probably not looking at the blessings right. You're probably, you're probably thinking you deserve what you've been given. And so the thankfulness just vaporizes. The second thing, what does it mean to be thankful? 
Be ye thankful, as Colossians 3.15 says. Not only is it that we, the heart recognizes a kindness, benefit, and goodness being given to us by someone, but then the, it expresses that thanks. We say give thanks. It expresses that thanks by acknowledging the source of that kindness, benefit, and goodness given to us, which is always God. God is always a source. And sometimes man is also a source. It acknowledges to give thanks, which is different than being thankful in the heart. To give thanks acknowledges the source to the source. You see what I'm saying? Acknowledging the source of your blessing and, and, and the goodness given to you to the source of that blessing so that the source knows our gratefulness in our heart. Now, one thing, interesting note, is there's nowhere I could find in the Bible where God ever thanked a man for anything. In fact, Luke 17, 9, in a parable the Lord gives, He says, when you have done all that's required of you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which is duty to do. Remember, in that context, He says, when the Lord comes in and the servants have served, does, does, does the Lord thank the servants for doing their duty? He says, I trow not. <laughs> and in the context, that the Lord is speaking. The Lord doesn't tell us thank you. What have we given to Him? You say, well, I gave God my heart. It's His heart. <laughs> but see, how have we in, in our modern Christianity switched everything around? Have we not? So now everything is about what we give to God. And we look lightly upon what God has given to us. That is a feature of modern Christianity. Salvation is even described as giving one's heart to God. And really, that's not, that's not a very biblical way to describe it. Salvation is receiving what God is giving to you. <laughs> that's what it is. Now, in Colossians 3, note that it says, and be thankful, the object of our thanksgiving is not mentioned. And that tells us that we should, of course, express our thanksgiving to God because all good things come from God, even if He uses people to bring it to us or other means. So we acknowledge God in all things. That was one thing that Cambodians always had a trouble with because they, they had, there was this, there's this room or this, um, the idea that floated around Cambodian society that Christians don't honor their parents. And so Cambodians had this sort of dichotomy, this false dichotomy, a false choice, where either you, you could thank your parents or thank God, but never both. And so if, if your parents did something for you and, the, and they heard their child who was a Christian say, well, I thank God for providing this money for school as an example, but their parents had given it to them, the parents would take offense to that. But see, the Christian recognizes that God ultimately provides, but he uses means to bring it to us, Right? He's, he sends it on, on, uh, on various vehicles to bring it to us. And so what we can do is we can look at the Lord and we say, Lord, thank you for what you've done, your goodness to me. But then we, we can also look at our parents and say, thank you for your kindness to me. We do both. We acknowledge both. That was something Cambodians had a hard time understanding. But in what I want to talk about tonight is not only expressing thanksgiving to God, but in the context of edifying one another, expressing thanksgiving to one another. 
opening our mouth on purpose to show that you are grateful for another person and for what they have done for you, especially God's people. Expressing thanks to others among God's people is a fantastic way to edify and minister grace to them. Look at back at Ephesians again, chapter 5 this time. Verse number 3. Notice what it says. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become its saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. Notice the use of the tongue is what's being discussed here, right? Which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So in Colossians 3, the Bible says, and be thankful. In this... The Lord, speaking of our tongues, the Lord says, this, not foolish talking and jesting and goofing off and silliness and, and, and uh, buffoonery, as, the, as the, the, it, you might say, not those kinds of things, not that use of the tongue, but rather giving of thanks. You know what this tells us? This clearly shows that a Christian's words should be characterized by thankfulness. That a Christian himself should be characterized by both thankfulness in the heart. In other words, he should live with a view such that there is gratefulness in his heart. He understands where his good, the goodness that he has received comes from. And the byproduct of that is thankfulness. And then also giving of thanks with the lips. That's what this is saying. Giving of thanks. You see, a thankful heart should give thanks, should express thanks. This is the kind of language that should characterize a Christian's mouth. We should be known as people who are thankful and who express thanks to others. That we don't, when people do good to us, we don't just, we don't react as if we deserve it or we're entitled to it. We react as if we are truly grateful. And we tell people that should characterize the way we talk according to the scripture. So during this Thanksgiving holiday, I just want to challenge you this and we'll be, we'll be done. Take time to give God thanks. To stop and think about the blessings and advantages and the goodness and the, the abundance that you enjoy, the spiritual blessings you have, and take time to, to give God thanks for that. But then also express thanks to those around you for the kindnesses they have shown you and the value they are to you. Even to those closest to you, like your kids, like your husband, like your wife, like your family. People that you might not often tell them think that, you're, that you appreciate them. And then lastly, tell your brothers and sisters how grateful you are for their fellowship and their ministry to you. Open your mouth and tell them. Don't just say, oh, well, yeah, I feel it. No, open your mouth. Give grace to them. So I wrote down some things, and I'm going to give you an opportunity if anybody wants to express some thanksgiving before we close. Look, it's not even 10 till yet. I mean, we're doing good. 
Here's some things I wrote down. I thank God that the Father so loved me that He sent His Son to save me, though He knew who I would be and all that I would do. I thank God for Jesus who died and rose for me, providing for my salvation and for saving me. I thank God for the Holy Spirit who leads me, corrects me, and enables me to serve Him. I thank God for giving us the Bible by which He sustains us, nourishes us, and teaches us the truth. I thank God for giving me a wife who is also God's child and who has a sincere desire to walk with the Lord and to love me and to love our children. I thank God for giving me children, each one of whom is a source of God's grace, blessings, and instruction to me. Each of them is a source of great joy and pride to Allison and me. I thank God for a place to serve Him and a mission into which I can pour my life. A job to do. I thank God for the measure of good health that He has given me. I also thank God for sustaining our family through varied and very trying times in the past five years. Some of you know something about that. This goes back to even when our time in Cambodia. I thank God for the church, a group of people here that are likewise recipients of and taught by the grace of God who are growing, that's you all, growing in the grace and knowledge of of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for y'all. I thank God for the opportunity to have taken the gospel to the people of Cambodia and to see the Lord turn people from darkness to light. I thank God for my country, where I and those that I love enjoy a large measure of liberty and safety and plenty. 